drepclub.com. That's drepclub.com for the greatest real estate club on the planet. Workshops, presentations, trainings, education, resources, and more. The Directed Real Estate Professionals Club, drepclub.com. Participate in person or virtually, www.drepclub.com. Hey, Bill, how's it going? Good, Kev. What's up, man? Um, Welcome to uh, the Investor Guys podcast, everybody. Got uh, got the main man, Kev, here, Kevin Mills. Bill Barnett, thanks for joining us today. So uh, you had a great weekend? I did. I had a great weekend. Uh, we are actually wrapping things up in Central Florida and headed back down to Palm Beach. Uh, we're going to be here for another week, and then we'll be in Palm Beach after that. Uh, looking forward to that. I've had a great time in Central Florida, but really, really looking forward to getting home and uh, getting things going. We, we weren't there very long before we came up here after we moved from California. So looking forward to that, definitely. How about yourself? Good. It was great. And by the way, Palm Beach, uh, that whole Miami area, man. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, we had, uh, uh, it was really weird the last couple of days that uh, the dust storm came rolling through. Probably started over the weekend, but that dust uh, storm came rolling through and you could see it in the sky. So if you've ever been to Vegas, um, and I've had a couple of times at the wind where have corner rooms that two of the walls are glass and they announced that a dust storm's coming through. Yeah. So you don't inadvertently walk outside while it's going on. And so I went back up to the room to watch it. And you, you know, it's, it's kind of like you see in the movies, you just see this wall of, of dust coming and you're blacked out for 10 seconds or not, not long at all. And then it's gone. And, you know, a layer of dust on everything where well, you can see it in the sky. And that's what uh, the last uh, two or three days have been like here. You could see a, an actual line. You didn't see a front end line, but you saw an end line. And it looked literally like somebody just took their finger and just went across the sky because you could, there's this really funky blue, gray, mostly gray, but um, and when the sun is out very bright, uh, coating on the sky and then you just kind of see it moving through so was that that's the saharan dust, dust storm yeah, to talk about yeah. yeah see i was weird because i was looking at it on the the map and it, it totally missed us in florida and it swirls up and then it hits hits texas and then comes back up through the the midwest and it's it's just bizarre the way things are carried on the jet stream you know that's the only thing i could see was just the the coloration uh i haven't noticed anything else, but it was really uh, pretty interesting looking. So, so got your camera out and took lots of pictures. I hope. Uh, gosh, I knew I forgot something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll probably still be out there tonight, so you can get it for oh, the yeah. <laughs> On our last episode, we talked about uh, some projects that Bill was working on, and we're going to talk about projects that I've been working on too. But I want to jump ahead to some other things. Um, I want to go through what we go through every day in dealing with properties that we have, um, maintaining those properties, uh, it, whether it's actually maintenance on the property or maintaining, making sure we're getting you know paperwork in and information from our property managers, contractors in Bill's case, uh, to how we're finding more properties, how we are maintaining our machine to keep properties coming in. And the two different versions actually, because what Bill is doing is different than what I'm doing. So I wanted to go over that today with you guys and try and squeeze all of that into our 30 minutes here. Uh, Bill, I'll let you start. 
tell me what it day to day, what you're doing as an investor to keep that machine running and what you're doing in order to feed that machine. Uh, so uh, let's talk about feeding first. Um, I typically am on the MLS every day. And look, if, if you're an agent, easy. If you're not an agent, then uh, as Kevin's pointed out and as we've uh, suggested to you, you go to uh, realtor.org. Now they've changed the site name again. Uh, it's now narrealtor.org. Um, so, but it's the same site. Uh, and, and realtor.org, narrealtor.org is where I go for research, but narrealtor.com uh, is uh, kind of the national version of the MLS so that any person can go look and uh, see any property in the country that's listed in an MLS. Uh, and then you can follow, you can find out who the listing agent is and, and contact them if you're interested in the property. So if you're, um, because on a brokerage firm, I'm in the actual MLS, but I could do it this way just as easily. So I'm filtering every single day. I go take a look. One of the things that I love buying is foreclosure properties uh, because of the typical likelihood those properties are not in the best of shape. When people start getting behind financially, if the first thing that goes, even before skipping payments, the first thing they do is they start skipping maintenance. So a lot of times these properties will start to go downhill while they're going through that foreclosure process. And you hear this all the time about uh, somebody talking to somebody in pre-foreclosure and uh, they haven't made a payment in 10 months or 12 months or 14 months or six months. Or, you know, it, it is a much longer process than most people think. Uh, even here, we have the shortest foreclosure process timeline in the country, which is 21 days but it's only 21 days once all the proper notifications have been done. Those proper notifications take two, three months, even if they're doing them perfectly. So uh, you're likely to see a property that's gonna be four or five months uh, of no payments being made before you get to it. And then if anything's going on with that property, summertime here, we see a lot of foreclosure, uh, a lot of foundation movement in those foreclosures because there's no rain most of uh, certainly the Metroplex has a high clay content. So when it gets to, to, to uh, drying up, that ground uh, moves very easy. A lot of uh, sand in it as well. So uh, you get foundation issues. So I'm always looking at the, what's been foreclosed on and um, you can't keep up with it. There, there's so many. And remember, we're in a hot market right now. There's so many of those. You just can't keep up with it. Um, and so that's an easy way. And then I have uh, several agents. Of course, uh, in my case, they all work with me uh, or work for me, however you want to say that, uh, that all work at DFW Properties that are always on the lookout for things that maybe aren't listed yet, maybe a pocket listing with somebody that they can just go, hey, you know what, this is going on the uh, market on Monday, but you got a couple of days here to go take a look at it and see what you think. And we'd just as soon do it with you as do it, uh, put it on the market. So those are things, uh, but I, I'm typically in the MLS every single day. Then, so that kind of covers for foreclosures, but you're also doing just, I mean, obviously rehabs with the foreclosures, but you're doing other types of properties too. And when we were talking about uh, properties that you're working on right now, you talked about how you had picked up some properties that were owner finance. So are those 
your two primary focuses? Is that what basically feeds your machine? I mean, with, with some yeah. other things here and there. The owner finance stuff is, I, I look at it as almost free property because it's always, um, in, and I say always, it is mostly a situation where it doesn't take a lot of down payment money. So if I can get owner financing for five grand or less, it gives me a lot more movement in the deal so that I can put the numbers together that work for everybody. And so I'm always looking at that. Now, those, uh, if you go online uh, and I look at the Dallas Morning News and Four Star Telegram online, um, you know, newspapers still actually exist. Uh, I don't know how many times they're, act they're still printed on paper or not, but they still actually exist. And, and their real estate sections are almost exclusively online. So I'm going there and looking, um, and I'm looking for those opportunities. I'm looking for seller finance opportunities to see if they fit. And pretty quickly, you, you start to be able to discern uh, whether this is uh, an investor doing seller financing or this is a homeowner. Of course, I'm looking for homeowners uh, because they're not apt to be pushing for a premium price. So uh, that's another way that I, I go after those. And those are typically newspapers. In the next few minutes before the break, tell us how you go through day-to-day -day, uh, maintaining this machine. Okay. Servicing this machine. I'm sorry, the last part of that? Servicing this machine. Okay. So uh, once I picked up a piece of property, uh, I'm staying in contact with my contractors, uh, whether it's a GC or uh, if, I'm, if it's not local, I typically don't have a GC locally because I have guys that they act like a GC, but they're not getting paid that way. Now, when I do property outside the Metroplex, I absolutely have a GC. And I'm staying in touch with those persons, whether it's a, a lead, guy on a crew here or whether it's a GC out of town, I'm in touch with that person two, three, four times a week. So I, I certainly at the beginning of the week, hey, what's the week look like? At the end of the week, where are we? How do we do? What do we get done? And then usually at least once during the week, hey, just want to touch base. How are we doing? Everything going okay? What do you need? What are you missing? What's popped up that we didn't see? Uh, and so it's just a communication thing. It's staying in, in constant contact with your crews so that you know without having to go there all the time. Because a lot of, like I got a house that's 45 minutes away from me. Uh, it's a pain in the butt. I mean, just, you know, to hop in and drive all the way over there uh, just to see uh, what's going on when I can do FaceTime or Zoom either one with a contractor while they're there. But mainly it's just staying in touch so that I know where we are on the project or we staying uh, on budget? Are we staying on time? Uh, so that's the biggest piece of the maintenance is just knowing, uh, maintaining the machine, knowing where your properties are, and then also keeping a look at where my funds are. Uh, how much money do I have available to go into new deals? What money do I have coming up? Uh, just staying on top of that. So when you hit heavy push times, you know that you'll be able to pick up multiple properties or, you know, hey, I'm kind of light till the end of the month. So what's going to happen is I'm only looking at one extra deal right now. Uh, and it may even be, hey, you know what? Did some marketing things. So I need to, to wait until July to pick up another property. Just, just depends on cash flow there. 
And when we come back from the break, I want to hear when you're, when you're finished with the property, what you do. It's probably simple as just listing with one of your agents. But let's go ahead and run into a break really quick and we'll get to that. Did you know that the Investor Guys podcast with Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills are not only available on your favorite audio podcast platform, they're also available in video form on Facebook, YouTube, and the Investor Guys podcast website at www.investorguyspodcast.com. Bill and Kevin show actual numbers, projects, and more. All things you'll miss if you don't check out the video. So after you listen to this podcast, visit us online and watch it again, www.investorguyspodcast.com or on your favorite social media. Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills host the Investor Guys podcast and share their real estate investing insights, strategies, and knowledge for audiences across America. Did you know that the Investor Guys, Bill and Kevin, have comprehensive investor education trainings and events available? Live and virtual workshops, training programs, events, and more. Bill and Kevin even have hands-on training events, consultations, and quick start programs, including the acclaimed real estate buyers events, all designed to get investors started and putting performing properties into their real estate portfolios. Bill and Kevin have each been successfully investing in real estate and educating real estate investors for decades and bring that experience to everything they do. Bill and Kevin both have unique approaches to investing and investor training and thousands of investors attribute their investing success to the trainings they have received from Bill and Kevin. If you are ready to get started as a real estate investor, the timing has never been better. Every day you wait to get started is a day forever lost. To check out how the Investor Guys are ready to get you started, visit InvestorGuys.com. That's www.InvestorGuys.com. And we're back. And before the break, we were talking with Bill about what he does on a day-to-day -day basis in order to feed his investing machine and maintain his investing machine. And we got up to the point where we we're going to take a break, but what I wanted to ask him is kind of the, the, the final piece in this puzzle is what is it you do once, once your properties are completed? Um, do you contact one of your salespeople and have them list the property? Is it that simple or, or, or what do you do? So, um, yes. Um, in, May of 2010, I bought a traditional real estate brokerage firm and basically bought it because I looked at how much commission that I had paid over the previous 10, 12 years. And I was like, this is nuts. Um, I, I'm not even getting Christmas cards from these people. So I need to have some of that money coming right back to me. So I bought a brokerage firm. I bought dfwproperties.net. And then, uh, so I'll contact one of my agents if I'm out of doing property out of state or out of town, then obviously that won't be through my agents. That'll be through another agent. Now, can you do uh, owner, uh, not owner finance, but can you do uh, for sale by owner? Certainly you can, uh, but look, if all I've got to pay is 6%, I can calculate that into one, what my asking price is to make sure that I'm getting enough to cover that and I'm not giving up any net profit. Uh, and two, you also have to have a feel for what's the different timeline between FISBO and going through the MLS as far as how long it takes to sell your property in that market because of your carrying costs. So um, I've and got about- time. If you're doing it for sale by owner, you're there showing these people oh, yeah. property. You're meeting yes. clients, showing properties. The other thing too is you have a better networking and marketing machine by selling it on the MLS because a lot of agents, they, they may not even see 
your property because it's for sale by owner. You can yeah. list your property on the MLS as for sale by owner, but a lot of times agents won't show their clients that property because they're not going to get the commission. So yeah. by putting it on the MLS and by having an agent represent that property, you have your best foot forward. You have the best ability to get that property sold as quickly as possible. Yeah, and one of the things that we do, and, and I stress this to our clients all the time, we still do additional marketing, even though we've listed it with an agent and in the MLS. Now, here's, here's the, the only catch there. When you do that, you can't put your phone number. You have to put the agent and the agent's phone number. But I do a lot of, uh, I call it circus marketing, uh, where I'll, I'll put uh, banners up on a property like you see at a used car lot when they're opening or on 4th of July, little pennant banners, we'll run pennant banners. We'll have multiple signs in a property. Uh, so those signs, got one of my favorites is looking at, I'll talk to two or three different mortgage brokers and say, okay, um, based, what do you think um, in the next 30 days, where is it today and where do you think it's going is an average rate for a mortgage, not somebody that's got impeccable credit, just kind of an average number. I don't want bottom of the barrel credit. Just give me an average. So right now we're, we're using about three and a half percent. Now there's a lot of stuff. You, oh, you get two, seven, five. Yeah, you can. If you have an eight, 10, most people don't. So I don't play those games. I'm like, I want to know what an average person could uh, reasonably expect to get if they could qualify with you. And so right now we're using about three and a half. So what will happen is once that property is listed in the MLS, I'll have some signs made up and I use uh, fast signs, which are pretty much all over the country. And I'll go in and get some banners and some corrugated uh, signs. I, I love their, they have a basic six foot banner. It's like $89, it's six foot by three foot. Uh, it's heavy vinyl, uh, it comes with brass ringlets in it, which means that you have an opportunity to reuse it. Oh gee, you'd never do that bill. Yeah, you will once you're doing enough property. And so I'll say, all right, based on a uh, sales price of 200 grand at 3% or three and a half on a 30 year mortgage, what is the typical payment going to run? Well, just pull a number. It's running uh, 1750. So I'll have that put on a banner. Of course, you got to put the little disclaimer on the bottom of it. And that, that disclaimer, the banner says, this home could be yours for as little as $17.50 a month. And then under that, it says, uh, based on approved credit. And so uh, you got your disclaimer covering yourself legally, but it gets a lot of attention. And even though it's listed in the MLS, that's a huge thing for people that are looking at property. One of the first questions they're always thinking about is, what's my payment going to be? So if you answer that on the front end as best you can, um, then you got a good shot at having more interest in that property. So like I said, I do streamers. That's my favorite banner. Uh, that usually goes on the garage door uh, unless it's not facing the street. And then I'll put it on tomato steaks. Uh, you know, tomato steaks are uh, five foot uh, one by fours you can buy at Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever, have a pointed end on the one end, and, and they're usually uh, sold to gardeners for raising tomato plants, but they also work great, usually six foot. They work great for putting these banners on. So you can just tack the banner to these if you can't put it on the garage and just stick it out in the yard so that you get a lot of attention. 
Yeah, I have agents do, uh, when we do open houses, but on the rare occasions I do open houses, we'll yeah. actually do those pennants like you see at the car, at the you know, car lots. We'll run them from the corners of the houses over to the corners of the yard, literally just stake them into the yard. We'll run another set over to the signs and just, yeah, for open house, just get people's attention. Um, big arrows pointing everywhere. Uh, a lot of times we'll even put some speakers outside and play some music, make it sound like a party. Um, yeah. But yeah, get, get the attention towards the house, absolutely. We'll put out. Sorry about that. Get some bugs out there. <laughs> we'll put ours threatening him in the center of the roof. And should we take a break? Are you dumb enough to be rich? Well, are you? Bill Barnett's critically acclaimed book, Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich, is a personal account of Bill's own journey to becoming a real estate investor. In his book, Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich, Bill shares his experiences, insight, and advice in a well-written, easy-to-follow account that gets investors thinking and acting. Find Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich on Amazon and other outlets or purchase your copy directly at www.investorguyspodcast.com. Are you ready for a new type of real estate club, a club for new and seasoned real estate investors, as well as real estate professionals of all types, a real estate club that you can participate in virtually or in person, a real estate club that offers in-person and virtual presentations, workshops, events, networking, resources, and more. Though this may sound like the real estate club of the future, it is not science fiction. It is reality. Directed Real Estate Professionals, also known as DREP, was started in the late 1990s in Southern California and is growing into cities across America. Whether you live in one of these cities or not, you can participate and take advantage of all DREP has to offer. If you live in a city that already has a DREP meeting, join them in person or online the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you live in a city that doesn't have a DREP, consider hosting your local meeting. We'll show you how to set up your local club and walk you through getting started everything to get it rolling. You can also join any area meeting online from anywhere in the world. Getting started is easy. Just check us out online at www.drepclub.com. That's www.drepclub.com and we'll see you there. And we are back after a short technical difficulty, but uh, Bill got got that taken care of. Um, so really, and I'm going to go ahead and, and lean into what I do, but in a nutshell, what you're doing is not that difficult. It doesn't take up your entire day. It doesn't require a lot of effort. Um, worst thing you have to do is try 45 minutes to check on a project. Yep. So, and that's maybe once a week, if that. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't average once a week. All right. So Bill strategies are, are, what's that? As long as there's not a problem going on, it's mostly done by phone. It, and, and, and that's, that's what I like about real estate and especially about what I do with real estate is it's almost set it and forget it. Now, Bill's focus is more on rehabs. Mine is more on, on buy and hold for income. And my dad, I, I do other things, and especially since I moved to Florida, been doing a lot of different things, infills, uh, vacation properties, things like that. And we'll cover that on a different, a different show. But my bread and butter for over 30 years has been income properties. And my, my, 
investing strategy is, is, is so simple and so easy. It gives me so much more free time to do other things that I want to do. I have other businesses that I enjoy that I set up because I have the free time to do that. I also have time to spend with my daughter. I have time to spend with my family. I have time to travel around and do things. We'll start with beating the machine since that's what, what Bill started with. And for me, it is as simple as going on the MLS. And I'll do that maybe once a week. Um, if I'm bored, maybe I'll do it twice a week. I've got an agent that I work with who also sends me properties like pocket listings, things that he saw that aren't on the MLS yet. Um, my property manager will also send me properties that she has found that aren't listed yet as well. And I've got people in the markets where I work that will send me properties also that they have found because I'll give them a finder's fee, especially if it's not on the MLS, I can give them a nice finder's fee because I don't have to pay an agent or anything else. Um, and they know that. So they feed properties to me that fit the criteria that I'm looking for. I can spend maybe an hour, if that, on the, on the computer. And I did this yesterday, actually. Yesterday was one of the days that I did this. And so many properties that came across my desk, I can't even do them all. I sent Bill a few of them because Bill is interested in doing a few of these. I sent him a four or five, um, all that fit a criteria that's going to put 50% or more profit in your pocket. So I spent the day, not the day, I spent an hour yesterday identifying these properties, making a phone call to my agent and making a phone call to my property manager. Now the phone call to my property manager was to follow up on properties that we have accepted offers on from last week. Once I have an accepted offer on the property, I let my property manager know. I have her go buy or send somebody by and take a look at it. Let me know what the rents are gonna be. I always use the low bottom rents when I do the projection. Um, She'll send somebody over there or she'll go over there herself and tell me what the actual rents are going to be because it could be more than what I have used for my projection. Um, they'll also be able to lay eyes on the property and tell me what it might need that maybe my real estate agent missed because real estate agents look at things differently than property managers do unless they're in property management. Um, so she'll be able to tell me what that property needs. I let her know that I'm looking at whatever properties, but I'll let her know once we have accepted offers. Cause there's no need for her to go over there or send somebody over there until I have an accepted offer on the property. Now, if she gets over there and I was off and there, it doesn't look like the pictures that I saw, it, it's not going to be the rents that I thought it was, whatever it is, I can always back out of that offer because I have time to go and, and review the property, have it inspected and everything else. Uh, I really have not had that situation happen but I always have that safety net there if I need it. Now, when I was finished, I sent all of my properties that I had selected over to my agent and his name is Dennis. And I just called Dennis and I said, hey, I sent you an email. Uh, I got the properties in there that I'm interested in. Let me know, let's go ahead and get offers on that. Uh, today, I will get an email from Dennis telling me that he made those offers and he'll probably send me copies of each one of the offers that he sent, okay? I'll sign them, I'll send them back to him so he has it. He'll get the process started though, even without my signature. I will hear back on each of those properties, typically within about two weeks, and I'll start that process over again. The whole thing out of an entire week takes me between two and three hours, if that, to maintain that entire business model. And 
I can do it literally sitting from where I'm sitting right now on my computer minus this microphone. Uh, it is really that simple, really that easy. Now, one of the things that, that Bill and I will teach you when we do a course is formulas that will get you to where you wanna be. So in order to be able to buy five to 10 properties a week, you're going to need 50 to $100,000 to do that. If you have it in your pocket, great. If you don't, there's ways to get it in your pocket. There's also ways to get somebody else to pay for it. Understanding those formulas will help you get from where you are now to where you wanna be a lot faster. And it's not just a matter of understanding the strategies and how to make those strategies work for you. For example, what I do and what Bill does, okay? But understanding how to make that money work for you and how to get that money so that it can work for you. And it, basically, it's education. If you don't know how to do it now, the longer you take to try and figure it out, the longer it's going to take for you to start putting money in your pocket. Uh, Bill and I actually have strategies where you can take as little as $50,000 and have a million dollars cash in your pocket every single year in 10 years or less and have six, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars $10 worth of properties in your portfolio in that same period of time and then be able to double, triple, quadruple that in the years following. Uh, I, I seem like I'm hogging up the camera, but... Uh, Give me your, your two cents, Bill. Well, and, and Kev's absolutely right on, on that master strategy. Uh, what you've got to do is a couple of things. You've got to evaluate where am I today and where is it that I want to go? How long is it going to take me to get there? How much money is it going to take to help me get there? And so from that, we can determine what's the best strategy. But you've got to get some education. So think about whatever it is that you do. And I don't really care what it is. It fits into this scenario to some degree. So um, I was in uh, my professional training was investment banking. Uh, I started out at Merrill Lynch. I went through a uh, pretty fairly intense four-month training program just to be able to sit for the, the test. Um, and then once that, of course, uh, everything, just regular college on top of that, but once that was done, I was really at ground zero. And so how do you build going forward? You've got some education that you have got to get somewhere. Now, do we think it should be from us? Well, of course we do. Uh, and part of that is you got to get education from people that are in the business, doing the business. And then the other thing is you're going to pay for your education. You're going to pay for it whether you hire somebody, you hire Kevin and I, or you hire uh, yourself and you go through the school of hard knocks. It's a whole lot faster and it is a whole lot less painful if you find somebody that is doing what you wanna do and they're doing it at this level and you're at this level and you say, gee, I can pay to get that speed so that I'm up to a, a much higher level than where I am right now. And you know, this is an old corny thing, but it is so true. And I did this again this weekend uh, which is sitting down with a pad and saying, uh, where am I going to be? Where do I want to be in five years? Now, the, here's the important part of that. People go, oh, gosh, I've heard that a hundred times, but probably never done it. Uh, so when you sit down with that pad, take about six to eight minutes 
and jot down where you were five years ago from today and see if there was anything different going on. So if you're not exactly where you want to be right now, then you can look back over the last five years and go, well, there are things that I could have done that would have put me in a different space today. The reason that you want to do it that way is then when you start to say, where do I want to be in five years? Then you understand the process of if what I'm doing today on a day-to-day -day basis didn't get me there, then obviously, <laughs> then obviously I have to change. <laughs> this is like a movie set. But I have to change what I'm doing going forward on a day-to-day -day basis. What can I do different the next five years that I've from what I did the last five years, so that if I'm not exactly there, I am so much further down the road, God, that this I can look back and go, wow, change in habits. I, I have a um, saying on my desk that shows up on some of my websites, which is change your habits, change your life. And it's just spot on, simple, pure truth. It's making the decision to do something. Now, I started investing in real estate when I was, was in college, literally. And I didn't consider myself a real estate investor. I had a morning radio show. I was doing local television. Um, I was racing cars. I didn't consider myself a real estate investor. But all the way back in elementary school, in junior high, I used to wonder, why would you work your entire life just to retire and have a few years to enjoy freedom? You're going to work. And back when, when Bill and I were growing up, work was going to a factory. Work was going to a, a, an office all day long. Why would you give up your entire life just to have five, six, maybe 10 years where you could relax? And I didn't even factor in the fact that uh, those 10 years, you're going to be you know, fighting for your money because you're not going to have that much. Yeah. Um, back then, 10 years was a long time for retirement. Our lifespans have changed. But that was always my focus growing up. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to, if I have to, I'll work those last 10 years of my life to pay off those early years of my life. But I'm not going to work my entire life for just 10 good years because that's just not worth it. Uh, and that's why my focus is changed to the way they did. The things that I enjoyed, like racing cars. I raced cars when I was, when, when I was in college. When I was 18, 19, 20, 21, I was racing Alfa Romeo GTV6s on the sports car tracks. Um, I collected in college, the car, one of the cars that I drove that was one of my favorites was a canary yellow Ferrari Dino. How many other college students have a 69 Ferrari Dino in addition to Alfa Romeos and fiats and lanches and everything else that I had. My perspective was changed by my thought process. You need to change your perspective. You need to change your thought process right now so that you are not wasting the rest of your life doing a J-O-B so that you're not just putting in time so that you can have a little bit of a reprieve for the last few years of your life when you're going to be too old to enjoy it. Hey, we're uh, up on a break here. We'll be right back with more Investor Guys podcast. Thanks for being with us. We'll Actually, believe it or not, we're wrapped up. This is our, <laughs> this is our 30 minutes. How about so that? Tell uh, these people goodbye. Um, <laughs> we, went, we went long for the, the last segment because of the dogs. Um, but we can tell these people goodbye, and we will see you guys on our next Investor Guys podcast. Thank you for joining us, and have a great week. Happy investing. Thanks for being here, everybody. See you now.